Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Uh, my good friend David Wiley joining me from the OZ. Check him out online at okanaganz.com and on Twitter at Okanagan Z. And um, we're doing things kind of old school today. I uh, had a little bit of a uh, internet video connection. So we're, uh, David is going to join us uh, through the wonderful world of uh, the phone line. And if we could see you, David, we would see you wearing a beautiful toque from the OZ, which you guys are giving away every Thursday. It's true. I love these toques. They've got our logo on the front. And uh, basically, if you email hello at okanaganz.com, I will put your name in a hat for a hat. I love it. And on a day like today in Alberta, it would be perfect because there are giant, fluffy, white snowflakes falling to the ground. So um, this would be a perfect toque day uh, in Alberta. But you know what is a... Uh, a perfect day uh, for cannabis fans in, in Israel. Well, that's coming up very soon. I, th I think in the next nine months. And, you know, we saw Canada go legal and every country that was thinking about it started watching. And obviously, uh, the country of Israel has taken some action. This is a really good step. Israel, less than a year away from legalizing recreational cannabis. They do have a medical cannabis availability right now, though it is not the easiest to get a hold of. Uh, that's also going to be part of these changes. But the country announced a plan to legalize. And Justice Minister Avi Nisenkorn said the country will work to balance liberalism and responsibility. And that's according to the Times of Israel. Now, these recommendations come from an interministerial team that's been reviewing this. And so far, the law being batted around would include provisions that people 21 and older would be allowed to purchase cannabis. Uh, it wouldn't be allowed to be taken in or out of the country. Of course, the world borders do create a little bit of havoc when it comes to cannabis, as uh, everyone has different guidelines. And cannabis stores will be allowed to make deliveries, um, but they'll be barred from selling cannabis edibles that resemble candy. Well, Nissenkorn's called this a significant, holistic, and responsible reform that shows that Israel isn't ignoring reality and is going in the footsteps of other developed countries, such as Canada. This law is likely to also include a blanket ban on smoking weed in public spaces, uh, and it won't allow people to grow the plant at home without a license, though that may be revisited in the future. Cannabis ads also to be prohibited. Now, the Israel says that it favors legalization over decriminalization, which we've talked about in the past, the differences thereof, because decriminalization doesn't provide a solution for problems such as the black market. Um, so decriminalization would mean that people can have it 
possess it and generally get ticketed. Uh, but legalization creates a framework for it to be sold and taxed uh, and grown legally by uh, corporations, by companies like we've seen here in Canada. So it really is a step forward to look at legalization over decriminalization. And it's really cool to see Israel going that way. Well, and, and man, you, you look at the proposed regulations and, man, does a lot of it look like Canada? You know, there you can't, uh, like cigarettes, uh, you can't be uh, banning them. There's the gummy situation. So it, it really looks like this is like the first country that's saying, okay, let's take some of what Canada did and and go with it. The, the growing situation, as you mentioned, will be revisited. But when you when you talk about growing in Israel, they're a major exporter of of the cannabis crop uh, when it comes to uh, medicinal. As you mentioned earlier, uh, they're, they they've had medicinal, but they they plan to be one of the global leaders when it comes to exporting this crop. And they're getting on this train early, mm-hmm. and that really is key right now. As you start to solidify your place in the market. I I love the idea of balancing liberalism and responsibility. That's something that Canada is wrestling with, that the U.S. is wrestling with in certain states, that Israel is wrestling with. And it's really going to be a theme as we move ahead in the way that the world treats cannabis. Indeed. Uh, Well, I really like uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys are doing at the OZ. And and one of the things that you did recently is you had a a Q&A with the CEO of the Flower Corporation. We just featured them recently on on What's That Strain. Uh, The the one thing that really stood out in that article is kind of in the beginning, um, they're split across the country as far as where their facilities are and their headquarters are. And during COVID, it's it seems like it's a it's an unnecessary cost for them right now. I had a chance to speak to Vina Tolia and as you mentioned, it was a little bit surreal because I can practically see Flowers uh cannabis campus from outside of my window. Hmm. And yet here I am talking to the CEO of the company who's in Toronto, um three time zones away. And Flower is one of many companies who have decided that there's a strategic advantage in having a headquarters in Toronto, which is the the country's biggest city and Ontario being the country's biggest cannabis market. Now, the question is, with COVID-19 creating havoc with travel uh, and, you know, just difficulty with communicating with a team that whether it's in Kelowna like Flower or whether it's in Alberta or the East Coast or another province, there's just a separation between often the executive and the rest of the company who are actually growing the product. Now, uh, Vinay told me that this was a decision that was made four years ago before he joined the company. And it was really about two things, he says, that Ontario is the biggest market in the country, specifically the the greater Toronto area. Uh, And also, if he says, if you're going to succeed in Canada, that you just simply have to have a presence in Toronto because it it opens up a whole new world of talent, he says, world-class financial sales and marketing teams. And it's just harder to assemble a team like that in smaller places. Now, he did say that COVID really is changing a lot of that. People are working uh, remotely. People are deciding to leave big cities and move into smaller places. 
And uh, under these kinds of circumstances, that Flower is actually looking at whether or not their Toronto headquarters is key to the success of the company and are considering the possibility of bringing at least some of their staff back into the Kelowna area. He says that this isn't just Flower. He says that this is a trend that we're going to be seeing in the not too distant future across the board when it comes to big cannabis companies. Well, that that only makes sense. You have to uh, you have to cut back where you can. Every every single I don't know what business other than if you're making masks or PEE products that have had to have not had to to cut back during this. So it just seems like it's a, a foregone conclusion for a lot of companies to to make that move. Now, one move that they are talking about is kind of their next wave of products. And you asked about beverages. They countered with something else. And the, and he also talked a lot about some interesting stuff when it comes to branding and the cannabis space. That really caught my eye. Yeah, I think I caught him a little bit off guard. I noticed that one of the team members over at Flowers, Nicole Wolf, who has a background in Molson. So I asked mm-hmm. if that would signal that we'd be seeing drinks in the future from flower and Vinay's answer quite surprised me he said that drinks are actually really far down the list for them uh, and that their edge which they're really leaning into is growing high grade premium dried flour their facility is really set up to be extremely consistent when it comes to THC levels. And that's something that consumers have been demanding. People are just plain tired of seeing that THC range of 5% to 25% that we're so used to seeing on products. Mm-hmm. So uh, he'll be looking at, the company itself will be looking at other types of 2.0 products, particularly concentrates where you still get that uh, that flower, that taste. You can sense the quality of what's grown now as far as branding goes they've really gone towards an artsy style and you know, Vine, it says that basically a lot of other companies don't have their messaging down pat and that's something that they're trying to really focus in on that you they it's it's grown to quality that it's predictable product and Flower wants people to, to come away with knowing that they're going to be getting a quality product uh, and really trying to be specific about what they're saying and repeating that message. All right. Uh, this is something, our next story, that I talked about recently with uh, Jesse Lavoie from Canopy Growth. And uh, he is the man that is uh, helping to roll out this Martha Stewart CBD line. And, you know, I, I talked with this uh, with Malcolm LaBelle in, in our number one about the amount of people that Martha Stewart is going to bring to cannabis just with her name. Oh, Martha Stewart is making cannabis cookies? I think I'd like to try that out. Maybe your grandmother might say or something like that but this is different than Snoop Dogg although they did have a show together and my favorite quote from Martha Stewart is of course I know how to roll a joint but this isn't Snoop or this isn't Seth Rogen or Tommy Chong this is Martha Stewart and this is going to have I think a big ripple effect on the uh, the cannabis uh, industry down in the states where in fact you can have celebrity endorsement it's a totally different demographic than we've seen. And Martha Stewart really does open up the door to uh, 
a, a whole new world of people who might be interested in seeing the benefit of CBD in particular. Uh, she's releasing uh, under her brand name, Arthur Stewart, a 15 flavor CBD wellness gummy holiday sampler, as it's called, <laughs> uh, basically in collaboration with Canopy Growth Corporation and Marquee Brands. Uh, she's called it highly giftable and inspired by the French confection pâté de fruits. And uh, this is a 60 count sampler box and it features, you know, all kinds of different flavors, passion fruit, calamondin, uh, quince, basically things that she finds in her kitchen. It's a beautiful looking product. It's colorful. Uh, you know, it's something that you would see in really just a high end um, department store really is what it reminds me of the kind of chocolates or candies that you would find yeah. in there sitting on the shelf to gift somebody that's important to you. And this really does show the difference between the U S and Canada right now. You look at this packaging and it's something that you could never find on the market here because it is just so far outside of the regulations. <laughs> and you've got 60 10 milligram CBD gummies in here. It's beyond the limit of what you can sell. Uh, you know, I think that Canada is really starting to fall behind in some ways. And we've broached on that subject in the past. This shows how far we still have to go in normalizing these products. And it, there's no THC in this. It's straight CBD, mm -hmm. but still CBD is very tightly regulated here. And you've mentioned in the past that you can go to a convenience store or a gas station you know, pick up your Mars bar and your CBD alongside of it. Yeah. So I don't know what the solution here is in the future. Um, but if we don't start to make changes to the way that we've regulated these products, then that foothold that we have right now is going to disintegrate and disintegrate fast. Yeah, like right now we have a two year head start. You know, it's like it's like we're running the 800 meters and we're 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 200 meters in already. And 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 but soon, if we don't figure it out, we're gonna get everybody's gonna blow past us like Usain Bolt. And and I know that the National Cannabis Council <laughs> is trying to work with the regulations because the review has to happen three years after legalization. But then when you look at the the you know the red tape that might go into it, we might be looking at 2023 before we get any changes. So we have to attack this now. And and getting back to Martha Stewart, you know, I look at it and I say, you know, I loved how you said like a lot of these products from her kitchen and and these products look like something she would make in her kitchen on a show that one of her viewers or followers would want to try. So I think it's just it's just brilliant, and, and, and like we've talked about, it just opens up a whole new avenue uh, to cannabis, and, you know, it's, it's, it's strange that it might take Martha Stewart to convince your mother, father, grandmother, aunt, or uncle that cannabis is, can be good, or, or, you know, in this case, CBD, but whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes to get people on board. Yeah, I love that Martha Stewart's doing this, and, you know, I think that Martha Stewart's friendship with Snoop Dogg is absolutely adorable. And it's great that we have that kind of a cross section of people to show that cannabis, uh, you know, is, is, isn't scary. Indeed. All right. Well, they always say everything in Texas is bigger. 
And and I'm going to say <laughs> even roadblocks to legalization of cannabis falls in that category because, you know, while cannabis was a clear winner uh, in the election um, and medicinal cannabis is making its way around, legalization is still finding some roadblocks and particularly in Texas. It sure is. You know, in an economic crisis, you'd think that people would be more open to legalizing cannabis. Um, Texas Democrats right now are really pushing the message that this could be a big boost to the economy. Um, but key Republicans, there they are, standing in the way, and uh, that's going to derail these efforts. Um, state lawmakers are arguing that the tax revenue and the jobs created by a retail market for pot could really help the state being devastated by the coronavirus. We've seen that in Canada. We've seen the economic benefits. We've seen that this is a, a product that really is recession-proof, that sales go up, that tax revenues keep increasing, and uh, it's, it's only helping to provide the services that the government is taxed with providing. Well, we're taxed with providing, really. Mm. So, uh, you know, the Democratic hopes were that this crisis economically was going to be a chance to coax Texas into growing that uh, the into joining a growing number of states that are opting to legalize. Uh, 15 now is the number with four more brought on in this past election through different referendums. So we've got state Senator Roland uh, Guterres of San Antonio's state representative, Joe Moody of El Paso filing bills. Uh, in advance of the 2021 legislative session that would legalize, regulate, and tax personal cannabis use. Um, you know, you got State Representative Terry Canales of Edinburgh, who's proposed putting that question of legalization to Texas voters in a way that's similar to what other states have done. However, the chances of that ever going through are slim. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is a staunch conservative, and he's at the helm of the upper chamber. So you've got roadblocks between him and other active Republicans in that state. Now, put this in perspective. The coronavirus pandemic has basically blown $4.6 billion hole in the state budget. $4.6 billion. You want to talk big? That's a hmm. pretty big hole in the budget. Yeah. And... The argument here is that legalizing cannabis industry could bring in hundreds of millions in tax revenue, perhaps billions, and create about 30,000 jobs. So that's a, a pretty big base. And, you know, those economic arguments, unfortunately, just fall on dead ears, uh, deaf ears, I should say. And we're still seeing people who in Texas uh, who are being charged with felony for possessing cannabis, um, even the, possessing a concentrate, a small amount of cannabis concentrate can land you in some real trouble, including up to two years in jail time in Texas. So there's a big disconnect. Uh, and as we've seen in other places of the states, they're, they're about 2.6 times uh, more likely to be arrested on suspicion if you're black. So hmm. this isn't just an economic issue. This is a social justice issue and one that every state should be taking seriously. And listen, we saw New Jersey, um, you know, come to the green side and New York is going to see the benefits of uh, economic recovery. Pennsylvania, all these states clustered in there. It's going to be impossible once Texas sees the amount of revenue that some of these other places are doing and the size of their deficit growing 
it it it, w- it would be almost irresponsible for them not to take um, a, a, a longer, better look at what we know is a beneficial plant. It is not the devil's lettuce that people thought about in the 1940s with reefer madness. And unfortunately, it seems like some states are still stuck in that. And until they see the the actual economic benefits, maybe that's what's going to make them come around. But man, I, I just, it's like this, this, you know, this money-making crop is staring you right in the face <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, no, we're, we're good with our deficit. We're good with our debt. Talk about being left behind. A lot of states here have already set up infrastructure needed in order to mm-hmm. to tax and uh, produce and sell cannabis in a safe and responsible way. It won't be long before we see federal legalization in the U.S. And those states that have set up that infrastructure are going to be light years ahead of other places. 100% for sure. And you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's like a lot of things. Some people take a long time to come around to them. And then they're like, why wasn't I doing this uh, a long time ago? And y- you live and learn. And hopefully, uh, the citizens of Texas and, and you know, the, the people push for this and say, hey, let's, let's jump on board with this and, and get ourselves out of a little bit of debt. David, I hope we can see you again next week, because I really want to see that toque. And once again, how can people get their hands on one of those sweet toques, especially people in Alberta that could use it right now? Sure, yeah. Send us an email at hello at okanaganz.com and uh, just tell us that Dean sent you. Love to hear from you. Love it, David. Thanks very much for joining me. Have a great week. You too, my friend.